Hey, Print Hustlers. Welcome back to another episode of Printavo Print Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got our co-host, Stephen Fair, got a Campus Inc. And, drumroll please, our very special guest. You may remember him from Print Hustlers Conf. 2019 2020 maybe 2018 i can't remember but i feel like i feel like kevin always drops just such crucial knowledge that as a business we're supposed to know but we don't anyway we'll get into it kevin baumgart out of set sales (laughs) hey thanks for having me bruce and steven appreciate it kevin we think bruce invited you to a print hustlers talk three four years ago and now you're turning into just like print nerd a little bit i love it yeah tell us about yourself and your background and why you talk to some print shops occasionally now (laughs) yeah my entire professional experience has been in sales and sales management usually for early stage or entrepreneurial companies i built kind of a, a side hustle sales strategy practice helped bruce's team and and salespeople build some sales process and scripting and messaging and and improve overall. And he's like, you know what, you should start calling on print shops. Like print shops could really use sales help, like a little reluctance. And yeah, fast forward. What what does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah. Print shops have salespeople. Yeah. Five years later, uh, it's been a fun ride and a lot of work with shops for sure. Cool. So Kevin, you talked about help like early stage companies scale their sales process. Can you give listeners like a little bit of like what that magnitude looks like? Like how big volume, just so people can kind of understand what world you've come from? Yeah. I think my you know intrinsic success like what i'm most proud of is a startup that i was involved with about 10 years ago i was the first hire outside of the founders hired to bring on and, and build a sales organization i grew that sales org uh, over 50 people we grew from like 80 bucks a week in revenue to a 30 million dollar business raised a ton of vc money it was j- just a blast i learned a ton we messed up royally in a lot of things but learned a lot from that process i got bit by that startup bug and have wanted to now go back early stage and continue to try to figure out what's a good product market fit, a good space to be in and try to get in as early as possible and build out that org. Wait, 80 bucks in revenue? Was that what you were charging? We, we were charging uh, 19, like 19 bucks a month for a SaaS Hey, that's where we started. SaaS product. Bruce, yep. you messed up. Started. Instead of inviting me to the first trade show, you probably should have invited <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I remember, you know, it's funny. I remember... We launched Printavo's 2012, and then I think it was $29, and then the first three months, just crickets. And then I kept, you know, just adding features, adding features, and then I made it free because I was like, well, you know, I don't know. I'll just get people in free, and then we'll put ads on the site or something. And then people are like, oh, I'm going to be running my business on this. Why? And then we started charging $19, and then one of the first shops came through, but that $19 is a special number. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin, you uh, print shops, like this is something that we get tons of questions about is like, how do I hire salespeople? How do I, let's just kind of get into it. They're like, how do I hire my first sales rep? Do I pay them, you know, just commission only? We've been working together for three or four years and you've been working with, you know, members of my team. What have you learned about this space that might be a little different than the typical sales job? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Most shops, they don't think right away on like, I need to hire a sales organization. I need to hire salespeople to build. 
build this out. They, they don't do sales, right? For me, it's been really interesting to see shops that have grown incredibly successful businesses on pure, just word of mouth and organic growth and no investment in sales and marketing. I'm working with a shop right now out of Texas. They've only been like, 2020 was their second full year in business. They already have eight employees. They have substantial revenue. They are growing an incredibly successful business and they have invested close to nothing in sales and marketing. So like number one, that's insane. And I, I, I hear that over and over again from shops. In my opinion, like when a shop is ready to take that next step and really commit to growing their business and growing revenue, like that's the time when they hire a salesperson, right? And they need to put that time and emphasis into bringing on the right person and, and taking that off of themselves, right? Because most shop owners, as the entrepreneur, owner, founder, they're the ones that are doing the sales, right? Once, in my opinion, they have to make that commitment and really wanna, all right, I need to move this off of my plate and I need to focus on my on the business, not in it always, right? The traction, you know, EOS model. Bruce um, is on chapter 11. He's still working on it. 2021. That's all the chapters, that's all the chapters that matter. The first. Yeah. Bruce is in a year-long book club with himself. <laughs> Shirt show uh, kicked him off hey, the other you know book what? club. You know, you know who told me about traction originally? Back in 2016 was you, Kevin. Yeah, I, when I we love were it. Like, at that little, you know, office with, with all the random couches and everything with no yeah, lighting yeah, you're like yeah, yeah we use this book called traction and hierology it works great you should check it out it it's, took about a just... year to get it did the audiobook like you said you also said the audiobook will make you fall asleep that was correct oh uh, it's a cure for insomnia and for then sure. about fourth try i bought the actual book and that was helpful yeah it, it's the driest read ever but it's like if you're trying to build a successful small business and have like a more corporate structure i shouldn't say corporate structure just more professional approach to managing the overall business and they call it this entrepreneurial operating system it's a really really in my opinion game-changing way to manage the business so kevin where do you think shops fail or like they struggle in this process so they make the they they know they need to hire a salesperson they might have someone at the front desk answering emails and then there's always this weird like what do i do next Tell us about what you've seen, because it's happened with us for sure, in a small business, trying to transition someone to sales. What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I think it's it's challenging, number one, because as we all know, like recruiting and hiring is hard. Just bringing on anyone, running the recruiting process is not easy. Hiring for sales, in my opinion, is even harder. A couple of reasons, even mediocre salespeople are really good at selling themselves. We don't necessarily know exactly what we're looking for from behavioral, behavioral uh, makeup and competencies and skills and past experience. So like it, number one it's hard to recruit and hire but then like we don't have a lot of structure in place so when we hire them what does the onboarding process look like and how do we give them the tools to be successful in the role kpi should we be looking at and what's you brought up before steven what's the compensation structure how do i pay them there's just a lot of unknowns and in my experience most shop owners don't have that experience they they weren't in corporate sales position and really have a good understanding of how a sales organization runs or how they should manage those folks. Yeah, it's been eye-opening because I realized that we if suck the, at sales. One, recruiting is really hard because they sell you and then you're like, oh yeah, they'll be great. And then you convince yourself that they'll be good. And then you realize you don't know how to manage them in sales. And then you realize you gave them too many things to do and actually not sell. And then you think a magic CRM is gonna make the difference, right? <laughs> There's always that. Like, what do I use? Like HubSpot? Like, what, what CRM do I use? And what's funny is like, when Kevin started working with us, he's like, we're gonna start with a Google Sheet. <laughs> 
Yeah, take it easy, right. <laughs> you know, right. all of those things, all of those feelings, I've personally failed at, at having, you know, successful salespeople. I've succeeded at it. But that process is really, really, really difficult. So for a shop listening, what would you say is, is the most important part if you are bringing someone on? Is it the fit? Is it the training? You know, we don't obviously have the bandwidth to stand by their side nine to five. But, you know, what do we do if, if we're trying to make that first jump? You brought up some good points. We can't hire someone that's used to having their hand held and having a level of support that a lot of like corporate salespeople have. Think about like sales enablement materials or collateral that they have. They've got a marketing team building all the stuff out for them. They've got leads coming in. They've got name recognition. What we found is most salespeople that are successful in larger corporate environments are not very successful in small business because they don't come from that environment. So I would ask a lot of, to that note, I'd ask behavioral-based questions around, give me an example of how you've had to manage your sales process by yourself and talk to me about initiative. Tell me about a time when you know initiative or, or your, your own intrinsic motivation was really critical to your success. I, I think that's, that's really really important. Even more like basic would be looking at the hiring process as a whole. It's not just running good interviews and, and structured interviews and asking the right questions. It's also talking to references and figuring out what the past managers and supervisors said about them. And then it's looking at testing and assessment tools. There's so many good personality-based and behavioral-based assessments out there to really understand, do they have that level of empathy and drive and motivation that successful salespeople need? In my opinion, it's running like a really good structured hiring process with not just having a conversation with them and saying, oh yeah, they're, they're going to be good. Checking off all those boxes and, and managing the process effectively. Farag, how have you done that with your, you, I mean, you've hired a lot of salespeople. So I'm sure there's tons of lessons learned there. How do you feel like you created a good hiring or a better hiring process? Well, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes, I think, along the way. I think one of them is experience. I think I'm good at sales, but I don't run a traditional sales pipeline or manage, you know, sales traditionally. And so I always had this notion that I'm going to groom someone into sales that doesn't have the experience professionally. And what I quickly realized is that is really hard to do. And that having experienced salespeople that have prior experience in some kind of company is imperative because like the small soft skills you just don't have time to teach the soft skills you don't have time I and mean, you know you or may you, not be teachable either or, or may not mm -hmm. be teachable right and so that experience i think what i also learned is it's really hard to take someone from a customer service or a support role and push them in a sales role because i think in a support role you are very much it's it's a little bit slower and there's not a need to move really quickly i don't know if that makes sense or not but like it's hard to create that like urge or drive to like want to get out there at least in the mistake that i've made and so like trying to find someone with actual sales experience we hired a few individuals that came from they had worked in small business and then they were formally trained at like yelp and that was really interesting because they made 80 to 100 calls a day but when they came into our small business we had to give them a ton of structure otherwise they would just they were all over the place. So I don't know. I, I think there, there's a lot to take in, but those are just like two of the big things that, that I learned for well, what sure. What was the structure you had to give him? Kevin had to give him. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, you want to kind of describe uh, what we had to do? We have extremely talented people. Yeah. We had to, yeah, go for it. Yeah. A uh, couple things. One is like structured metrics, right? 
and it's it's not just activities like what do they need to do day to day number of visits emails calls like the activity metrics lead generation etc but it's also the outputs right number of of meetings set meetings held opportunities created you know average revenue etc right so giving them structured metrics 100% critical maybe even a step before that we we talked about that onboarding plan right like what is the first 30 60 90 days look like for that individual how do we make sure that they're lined up for success but then also i think as we got into it deeper we realized that like prioritization and planning and and building daily weekly monthly plans was really critical so how do we make sure that we're supporting them by helping them understand what's most critical and what they should be focusing on what's the priority and then build out a plan plan your work work your plan type of approach i think once we got to that really structured planning and calendarization phase they were much more efficient you mentioned something actually you helped us do this i remember is that 30 60 90 day plan where we work with the new hire and say hey 30 days what do you want to accomplish and then what do we want you to accomplish too and we write those down and then revisit it closed five thousand dollars in sales or whatever it is sure uh, learn this or that and then check it off as we get to each of those time segments there every shop that i've worked with that is bringing on their first salesperson we spend a ton of time focusing on this because there's always a ramp time right you're never going to hire someone and they're not they're, they're never going to be productive day one there's time that they need to learn the business and build a book of business and grow it right so in my opinion the most important part of their tenure within your business is the first 90 days i did this with bruce sam with steven and with almost every shop that i work with is we build out this 90-day plan of what does the first three months look like also though what are the first three weeks look like from a calendar basis like i want to have their first three weeks of their calendar full so there's no ambiguity and unknown these are the things that you need to accomplish in the first three weeks but overall your 90-day plan of here's i, I usually break it down into three areas performance goals and objectives, big picture, short-term goals that we want to make sure that they hit within the first 90 days, like prospecting numbers, for example. The second is skill and knowledge development. So what specific skills, knowledge do they need to uncover and understand? Sales process, review, scripting, calling scripts, et cetera. And then the third is process and methods. What processes do we follow that they need to perfect, like quoting in Printable, for example, right? Most of those 90-day plans have those three aspects. And then it just makes that first 90 days so much more clear. Like, here's what I want to accomplish. Here's what I need to accomplish. And then we're checking in on that every week. How are you doing on that 90-day plan? Where are we trending? What do we still need to accomplish? Where do you think, Kevin, like shops, after they bring them on, right, we make a really solid plan. Where do you think like it gets a little fuzzier cloudy because it's really hard to stick to it is it getting sidetracked with other projects is it bringing them into the shop to do things they're not supposed to do is it is it usually the business owner that's just not doing a good enough job managing it like yeah i mean i think it's hard because again like we're not used to doing this this isn't part of our past job experience so it's new right you mentioned a couple of times even having them pulled into other roles while they're sitting on the phone doing customer service and answering inbound calls when you hired them outbound build and develop and cultivate new business I I've definitely seen that. Yeah, it's it's a focus and it's time consuming, right? There has to be, as I mentioned before, there has to be this, all right, I want to focus on and I'm ready to commit to growing my business and bringing this person on. There just has to be a commitment to supporting them and making sure that 
you're providing the development and training that they need. It's crazy. It's literally, I feel like a lot of shop owners get really excited about new equipment and invest in learning it and spending all that time and asking questions on Facebook groups and like tweaking it and, you know, showing off really cool new prints, but almost boring to make that investment into people. And so yep. sort of skip past it or, or you're like, okay, awesome. I hired them done. Right. I got so many yeah. other things to do. Almost flipping on its head in that the investment that we put in there just brings in an ROI for us. Literally, if probably more dollars than any piece of equipment will. Of, for sure. Of time. I was, I was just talking to a shop about that. And the shop owner was like, you know, chicken and egg. Do I buy another press? Which I know will drive revenue and make me money. But the volume and bandwidth of leads coming in and opportunities that to sell and make that worthwhile. It's like, why wouldn't I put more money into sales and marketing and drive that opportunity and then be at the point where I'm forced to buy a new press because I need it. Bruce went on a, on a Gary V rant on, on YouTube the other day for shops under 500K that need to focus on sales and marketing um, oh for COVID, yeah dude, i keep seeing this over and over and it's like a lot of shops are kind of waiting you know and and just sort of yeah you know schools aren't good teams aren't good but we're making it work or whatever we're, we're waiting it out and seeing what happens i i just don't see why this isn't more of an opportunity for the smaller shop to say hey i gotta run my first online store like i gotta figure this out mm -hmm. you know or i gotta figure out what the heck social media marketing is or or how to make a video or or how to just put myself out there. I, I got a really cool email from a shop. He's like, I've never done cold outreach and just like going to businesses and meeting them and, you know, and introducing myself. And I'm starting to do that now, which all of those skills feels like a huge multiple in two years. Yeah, I think Bruce, it's because we get so stuck in the back of the shop. Like we are so stuck. We start like most shops start on press and that's where they are. And they just assume the front of house will just like keep snowballing. And then they get to a point where they're like, oh crap, I can't feed my machine. There's some on the flip side, there are some massive shops that have recently had to liquidate and shut down because they've, you know, because they weren't able to sustain the sales when they weren't there too. So I don't think it's just just small shops or anything. But you know, you, you have interactions with these companies and you see what it's like to work with a, a salesperson, maybe for like a tech company, like I sign up for a new app, I get an email, I get a call, I get a box in the mail, I get a thank you card. And I'm like, damn, if I did this to like 10 customers a week, like I would be in a, in a much better spot at, at Kevin at you're at the companies that you've you've built and scaled how much training really went into went into like the actual interpersonal skills and how quickly you respond to people and when you call them and when you reach out because i feel like i feel like we get it a lot but it's really hard to implement response times are critical right like speed to lead is always a metric that we'll, we'll look at and measure maybe less focused from an outbound perspective but when you have opportunities coming in like how quick we can get back to them is critical like it's hard to train though right like that's not not a, a skill or a be it, it's a behavior, right? It's, it's an immediacy or sense of urgency behavior that that individual salesperson really has to have. Yeah, it's a tough so one. So a lot of shops will ask, how much do I pay? I can just pay them commission only, right? Like that's <laughs> totally cool. In your experience, like, like shed some light there because we get that question a lot about yeah. how to pay them 
commission? Can I go commission only? Because they're so scared of, you know, of, of bringing a salaried employee sure. on or an hourly. What do you got there? This is a tough one and it really could be an entire session. Sales compensation is tricky. A, a couple things that I'll just mention to keep in mind. First being, I've really never seen 100% commission comp plans work well. They're, they're not invested in the business. They're not, they're not bought in. It's hard to manage them to performance and to KPIs if they're only working for commission. Like in, in my opinion, someone needs to be comfortable, right? They need to have that base. In most shops where I've done compound modeling, it's really base plus commission is, is critical with a strong incentivization for them to bring in additional sales. So net new opportunities that the shop wouldn't have had otherwise, that's what they're getting commissioned on. They're usually not getting commissioned on current customer call-in orders. There's usually also someone else that's focused on that. In my opinion, if you're really trying to drive new business, you hire someone that only does that. They only do their own lead generation, own prospecting, own opportunity creation, and own closing right? There's a lot of tools out there to like figure out what base comp should be. So like mark to market, payscale.com is a good one. Glassdoor is another, like do some research and try to figure out like what is going to make you competitive from a, a salary perspective, as well as like on target earnings or salary plus commission. There's got to be that, that mix. So figure out wh where you need to be to get strong candidates in, right? How do you, how do you get good folks to want to apply and want to work there? I always get asked like, should we commission on growth? or should we commission on revenue? I don't know the answer to that. Like th this can get pretty complicated. What I've seen though, in my experience is the easier you make it and the easier that they can calculate their commission and you and the business side can calculate how much you need to pay them, the easier it is for everybody. So in my opinion, paying off of revenue of new business that they create and new customers that they bring in is the simplest form to do it and the easiest way to do it. We can sometimes put accelerators or higher commission percentages, on promotional products, right? Or hoodies or like you can set a product and say, instead of 5% commission revenue, all screen and embroidery or whatever, you can now get an accelerate up to 10% for different products. Like you can put little spiffs in there to try to incentivize them for different lines of business. Overall, like I think the antithesis of this is like make it simple make it easy. When they're quoting a job, they should be able to calculate, if I close this deal, I'm going to make this amount of money. Like that's how simple it should be. They should be able to notate that up front. That's huge. That's huge. That question gets tossed around all the time. This is so such a critical part of the business. If this is your first time doing it, you have to communicate that this is my first time building a comp plan. The only thing that I'm going to promise you is I'm going to totally mess this up. This is not going to be right. However, I will make it right. I'm going to build a comp plan for you. You're my first sales hire. It's going to be either too rich for you or too rich for the company, and I'm going to have to tweak. So every quarter, my commitment is that we relook at your comp plan and make sure that it's in alignment. And if you're doing the right things to support the business, I'll make sure that comp lines. Like there has to be that level of communication because this is such an unknown right now. That transparency is so important because- You told us at, that. At the end, I, th I feel like you've told us that before. For sure. Like I'm, it's, it's some deja vu, but- uh, I literally said, I remember this years ago. It was like, hey, you're, this is not gonna be perfect. Tell the team this is not gonna be perfect. And we did, we said, hey, we're gonna change it. We're gonna fit how, it, you know, try to make it work and then be able to try to scale it from there. I mean, I think we, we used that and started a little bit lower on the commission scale because I felt it would have been worse to start higher and cut people back sure. from a motivation standpoint. But you're right, that, that was huge. The other thing, Kevin, you brought up is like making it as simple as possible 
but also giving different nuggets. So like promotional products doesn't really cost us anything to produce. We're basically just brokering it. And so something we did was we gave like a much higher commission on promo products. We're like, if you really want to like make some rips, you can, you can sell promo. And that's always, and the other thing that we did, I think was if they took any of our prior customers and turned them to promotional product customers, they were rewarded equally because they were just venturing into new business. But I think making it as simple as possible and not making it some crazy high number. I tried a couple of things where I was like, they have to calculate their gross profit on every order. And based on their gross profit, they get this based on where that was. They look at it as like another language. They're like, what? What's going on here? So I think what we switched to was we gave like a flat percentage. They still have to give their gross profit so we can talk about it on their monthly. But simplifying it down is so important. And I think what Bruce said too is just like, it doesn't have to be a ton. I think the old Glengarry sales days are maybe, maybe behind us. I don't know. Maybe they still are. You know, that's a, that's kind of a high risk, high reward game to play with employees. Totally. Like, uh, I think some of the experience that you've had, Stephen, with your sales reps, maybe uh, less tenured, younger, maybe Mm -hmm. not. And and Gen, Gen Y into Gen Z, maybe a little bit less concerned with making a lot of commission in that sales role. I've seen the spectrum though. I've seen some of those folks that are okay with, you know, a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks here and there a month on commission, but there are still salespeople out there that are incredibly money motivated. And those are the folks that you want to make sure that you have a comp plan that aligns to their level of motivation. So you have to have that conversation up front. What motivates them? What do they want to accomplish? What does success look like for them in this role? And if they're like money, 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 like figure out a comp plan doesn't have a cap and that has accelerators. So if they hit their, their number, every thousand dollars over that number, they get a higher percentage, like accelerators or motivators to do that. When do you think it's, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but when do you think it's the right time for the first sales rep to come in? Is it just a commitment from the business or is there more of a like revenue point where people hit where it's like, okay, now you should start to look at or what's the trigger? I don't know if I can I can pinpoint a specific trigger. I think, again, to your point, there has to be a commitment. And, and maybe it's at that time when you as the owner, founder of the business that are doing everything thing you know the books helping with production you know customer support account management and sales when you get to the point where you find sales lacking or you find the amount of time and effort that you can put into running sales and marketing for the business is is not up to par you really need to bring in that that extra person or, or maybe it's, it's when you want to buy equipment right before you buy equipment let's stop <laughs> and see if we can bring in a person to drive that that opportunity to to really need that equipment. I think the the point that's really interesting is our in our industry is we get to a point of a lot of sales and then we want a salesperson. Whereas in like early stage tech companies and startups, like they have zero revenue and sales are their machine to continue like scaling the company. So I'm wondering if, you know, we in our industry almost have to say like we're starting from ground zero what is your first hire? It should be in sales and marketing. I think the other thing that I'm I'm very much learning is you have to like differentiate inside sales and outside sales or customer service, just someone like answering the phones, because if they're not, if they're getting sucked in with that, they will always use it as an excuse. I mean, my experience, they'll use it as an excuse not to go like cold call and, and, and sell outward. For sure. Couldn't agree more. You have to differentiate those activities because number one, most most salespeople aren't good at both sides. They're not good at going out, reaching out, bringing in new business, and also good at supporting customers and helping ongoing, right? There's that piece, but it's also outbound sales and prospecting and lead generation and development is all rejection and totally monotonous, right? I'm getting 98, 99% rejection, but it's also same script, same pitch, same process, 
it's hard and it's challenging. And the, the people that have those behaviors are good at it because it's motivating for them, right? So I could not agree more. I think that's one huge challenge is the person answering the phones, managing customers, managing projects sh should not be that person that's going out there pounding the pavement and cultivating new opportunities. So is that account management more role, just way less commission or no commission? In my opinion, if they're just doing customer support and account management and following up and making sure that orders are sent and that production's on time and they're communicating back and forth, there's no actual sale. I don't think there needs to be any commission. However, if that person is fielding current customer opportunities and they're quoting and they're selling to them, right? Like, I think there should be a level of commission for that. It's, yeah. it's similar, it's a sales process, right? The same thing that an outside person is doing to sell, an inside salesperson that has a lead coming into them should be running the same exact process as well. It should be good at sales, but it's just a much easier teed up opportunity than cultivating something cold. I think our industry, whether we know it or not, when we work with Sanmar and SNS and Alpha Broder, I mean, Bruce and Kevin, this might not make much sense to you, but all of our reps are always in their cars out at our shops. And whenever we text our reps and say we have an issue it's like hey I'm gonna call the inside like call the office and then there's always someone at the desk that is responsible for taking care of you and I think like if if we adopted that model a little bit we see it everywhere in our industry that's that's how apparel sales goes but if you think about Sanmar and SNS and Alpha it wasn't until they hit the pavement that they were able to get inside print shops and, and sell to them we see it in our industry every day we're called we're called on our reps every single day for sure. And those people that are in your shops, driving around, visiting in person, I would bet that most of them are really, really good at building business, closing deals, working opportunities, moving deals to the sales process. Those are the behaviors and the activities that they're good at and they enjoy. I want that person to be doing that 100% of the time. I don't want them to be doing customer service if they're not good at it and they don't like it. I want them to be investing 100% of their time in what they're really good at and their role. What, what do you think are some sales techniques techniques to and maybe this is part of the training but more unique techniques like for example we've been since we've been hiring more i almost consider hiring sales in a way because it's like i'm outreaching sure. i'm following up and i'm trying to close them but i've been doing trying to do like video or i've been sending little gifts or just different stuff to help stand out or is there anything that you've seen from shops or even in tech world that we should try yeah, this is super basic. We, we can get into maybe some more like groundbreaking stuff right now. But I think the biggest aha moment in most of my engagements with shops have has been around the process of quoting, quoting jobs. So what typically happens now is we get an inquiry or we cultivate and find an opportunity. We put a quote together and we email it over to them and wait for a response. What? No follow up? What? Why well, you you've done all this work and you're just going to email and hope like quote and hope that they get it. So like quote and hope, quote and hope. Here we go. That's a good one, stop, right? So oh, why are we taking advantage of reviewing the quote with them on a call? You know, everything's virtual now, and people are much more comfortable on Zoom calls. If they don't feel comfortable with you in their in their business face to face or at the school, whatever, set up a Zoom call, review the solution with them, answer the questions that they have up front, but most importantly, tie back. Here's what I uncovered. Here's what you told me you needed. How this solution and how our shop can help you 
overcome those challenges and concerns that you have or hit the goals that you need to hit, here's why we're the best solution. So you're selling while also reviewing how, how your solution fits. And then you're answering questions right on the fly. It's so much more efficient and gives you that leg up. So I think when I talk through like the sales process and we put some scripting together for reviewing the quote, which I also uh, talk to shops about, that should be a solution recommendation, not a proposal or a quote. You're providing a solution to them. You're recommending a solution. That meeting and the thought of, all right, maybe I just shouldn't email quotes over, maybe I should actually have a conversation with them has been a, a pretty big aha moment for most shops. Is That's that funny. over a certain sales mark though? Like Farrakh, for example, it, like, it, you know, if, if it's, it's qualified, a order, yeah, okay, got it. I, I mean, I mean, you have to have a threshold for like when this order's qualifying and you're like, okay, it's over a thousand dollars. It's worth a zoom call that takes 20 minutes. I think the other thing is if you do a 20 minute zoom call with your customer, you're going to accomplish so much more than the not like the back and forth and the 20 thread emails of shirt colors and different prices and just being able to screen share your SNS catalog and show them everything sure. and answer questions along the way. It's funny when we when I painted houses in college, we would do estimates and we weren't we would write the estimate in the car, but we were not allowed to leave it in the mailbox, meaning you had to get invited back into the Love house it. at the kitchen table because that is where people pulled out their checkbook. And if you didn't go in like when you filled out your post sale, like why I didn't get the sale, they'd be like, were you in the house? Where in the house? Were you sitting in the foyer? Like were you just standing in the doorway or were you at the kitchen table? And, and they were so adamant about like, you have to get inside the house, otherwise you won't close it. And I think that's so true is, you know, if you send a quote, yeah, you're no different than every other business that's just sending quotes out. But if you say, hey, I've got the quote ready for you, do you have 30 minutes later today to hop on a Zoom call? There's no chance you're not gonna close it because like you're just, you're building a relationship with them. And I think 2021, there's no excuses, that's it. Yeah, this is the world we live in. Bruce, you mentioned, is there a threshold? Like if you're willing to run a needs analysis or a discovery and figure out what they need, and then you're willing to go in and quote a project and figure out what you've already invested time and they've invested time. And I don't think it takes 20 minutes. I think you can review a solution recommendation in 10. If you're yeah, already investing the time right. in quoting the job, get them on the, get them on the line. Even if it's not a virtual call, get them on the phone and or talk through the solution. Have you guys or been using Loom to a sell? Loom. A little bit. If, if for some reason they won't let us get on the phone, but I would much rather be face-to-face. -face, like this virtual is like the, in my opinion, about as close as you can get to like face-to-face -face selling. I would much rather be on the fly live. But if they won't allow you for some reason, I think a Loom is a good fallback. But then I would challenge, why are they not willing to invest 10 minutes in me reviewing the solution that I put together for them if I put all this time and effort into it? Is it really worth me even quoting? And is this a qualified prospect? One thing you talked up to us about earlier on is asking for the sale uh, or like you know and maybe that's ties really well into this this final proposal state or i'm not supposed to use that word final solution solution phase. recommend like are you ready to go or, or are you ready to prove or, or whatever but asking for that yeah especially at the end of that solution recommendation call after we've reviewed all the information my follow-up question is typically how do you feel about what we just reviewed not mm, what do you think do you, do you have any questions you're asking them how they feel how do you feel about what we just reviewed in my opinion that elicits much more thoughtful response and you'll get to usually the the, the heart of the question or, or how they actually feel but then yeah to your point bruce like asking that um are, are we ready to move forward can i can i start putting this order together for you can we like start talking about timeline deadlines if we put the order in today we'll be able to get through production by this date and they'll be in your hands by this date can we move forward with that process and get that structure set up today? I think it is important to actually make that ask, but not in like sleazy car salesman way. Like, do we have a deal? You know, just like, <laughs> you, 
have deal or no deal <laughs> deal or no deal but, but like closing questions committal questions you know probing questions being able to ask the right questions on a sale i've seen it where where a rep will hop on a call and they'll say all right here you go and then you're like, so what's the next steps? You know, I think that sales training is so, so important. And I think we take for granted that some of us might do it naturally because we are we are hungry. Like as business owners, we're trying sure. to close deals as quickly as we possibly can out of desperation. <laughs> and it's not crazy to think that, you know, your employees are going to know exactly how to do that too. Kevin, besides working with you, is there any other like solutions out there, courses you would recommend, anything for, for, for people to take or send their employees to? Because I think continuing education in sales is so important. Yeah. There's a number of like... Set sales? Um, this is, this is a, Actually, a can you do a quick shout out and then jump into that? So yeah. yeah tell, t- tell us about set sales and what you do and stuff. It's really a, a sales strategy practice, including all of me, myself. And I work with shops, my clients directly on different projects. So they'll say, I want to increase revenue. Here's my goals. Here's what I want to accomplish. And we'll build project-based work around that with structured deliverables. So usually it's, I want to hire my first salesperson. All right. So let's work together. Let's build a hiring process. Let's build interview guides. Let's build 30, 60, 90 day plan for onboarding. Let's build a KPI scorecard. You know, I want to build a sales process. Let's build out that process and make it defined for your shop. Or I need to manage my sales messaging. Let's build out scripting and messaging. Or I need to build out sales comp, et cetera. So it's it's project-based work with specific deliverables. So it's not just here, I'll tell you what you can do. Like you'll leave with documentation, et cetera. Outside of that, though, there is a number of different tools in the market today. There's a lot of like, there's this revenue collective and sales assembly and all these different like groups coming up that have like master classes and they have certifications and they have individual trainings. So there's a lot of like groups in that end that are that are coming up. But there's also a ton of sales training companies out there too. Like you can you can throw individual salespeople into like a Sandler training to give them base training, right? It might not be as customized and personalized for the shop, but it'll at least give them like the sales skills and, and sales behavior. But I think, you know, Steven, to your point earlier, like it's hard to not bring someone in that doesn't have that experience. Like you really got to right. look for people that have done it before. Like, I don't know if my first sales hire would be someone that's never sold before and a hundred percent green and like that I'm going to have to handhold through this process. It's in right. my opinion, it's, it's too hard. Yeah. And in, in the failures and successes, the successes that I've had have all been from individuals with real sales experience. And so even if they've been had younger experience, three big wins that, you know, we've from, they, they went out, they had some experience and now they're ready to like niche into something. But I think the other part is, is, and, and what we've been talking about a lot on our, on our podcast is actually getting professional help for things that business owners don't know how to do because the more time you spend doing it, you're wasting your time and, and making a bad hire, whether it's recruiting or training or, or whatever that may be. If a shop wants to work with you, what are your like, what are you not going to do for a shop? I mean, like you guys know I have a job. So like I run this on the side just because I, I love it and it's exciting for me. And, you know, working with print shop owners, like a bu- bunch of crazy entrepreneurs and past rockers and band members that have, have built these businesses. Like it's super fun for me. I Kevin it. secretly wants to be in, in it. Like, I, w- I want to run a shop. I want to run a shop for sure. <laughs> say, it, um, say it again, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so like when my work is like really specific, there's a defined statement of work. Like I'm not going to go in and run your interviews. 
but I'm going to give you an interview guide, right? I'm not going to go in and make cold calls for you, but I'm going to give you that cold call script and that email campaign to have your team run it. I don't know if there's specific things that I won't do, but everything is really project-based, obviously. Yeah. I think the big thing is is the, the project-based. Like we've built out like six-week projects. And, and the cool part, I think, is you've gotten to work with my team and then you also coach me on how to work with my team. And they also look at you as like a, like, well, they, they like look forward to your meetings every month. Sure. If I stop, if I stop, I'm in trouble. But you also give me guidance on how to manage them and how to say the right things. And even like red flags that you, you might, that I might not see. I, you know, without that kind of be in a much more like blind spot as, as a business owner, because we don't have coworkers that can necessarily level with us and tell us, do you see this coming? Or have you noticed this? I think that accountability is so important. And that's arguably one of the most valuable parts of, of working with someone like you. So it's been a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Also add on to that too. I think that's huge. You guys can reach Kevin at kbaumgart at setsales.co. We may have to make that Kevin at setsales.co. I'm going to drop a link though down below <laughs> to make Kevin. it easier for people <laughs> to, to reach email. out. Thank you. There you guys you feel free. You're not too small. You're not too large anything to, to reach out or have a conversation. Kevin has been huge, I will say, for us at Printavo. I know for Farragut Campus Inc. and for a host of other shops as well. I think this is just a hugely undervalued process. I, I don't know why we don't think about it and we think about it way too late, but creating a sales organization, it's not a bad thing. It's not something we should shy away from. And we should really probably get started with it early just because of the multiples that it can have three years down the road, five years down the road. So, Kevin, thank you so much for being able to share this. This is huge. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, Kevin, thanks, we'll have, Bruce. Thanks, Steven. We'll have to bring you to Print Hustlers 2023 or whenever that happens. Um, <laughs> it'll be at the same hotel. We haven't. We still have our deposit there. So Bruce yeah, does. So fingers good. crossed. Ace Hotel doesn't go under. Please, we have our deposit there. <laughs> Steven, next, next. Sure, we're we're working with Notion right now. Big Notion. Notion is the Notion is the is the it's new the one. It's the trendy one right now. It. It's the trendy one. If anybody needs Hilarious. an app, talk to Steven. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Take care. <laughs> thank you Thanks, guys. guys. See you guys Appreciate on the next it. episode of Printavo Print Hustlers Podcast. <laughs>